Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas Eve Eve. I thought maybe we would just use the opening time um, during uh, during this hour today to bring you the Christmas greeting of President Trump. Um, I'm actually surprised how few places I have heard this, and um, and I think it's a it's a message that's right on. So here is President Donald Trump, President of the United States, and his Christmas message to the nation and his prayer for the new year. To every family across our nation, the First Lady and I want to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. For Christians, this is a joyous time to remember God's greatest gift to the world. More than 2,000 years ago, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. He said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. The angel told her that she would give birth to a baby boy, Jesus, who would be called the Son of the Most High. Nine months later, Christ was born in the town of Bethlehem. The Son of God came into the world in a humble stable. As Christians everywhere know, the birth of our Lord and Savior changed history forever. At Christmas, we give thanks to God and that God sent His only son to die for us and to offer everlasting peace to all humanity more than two millennia after the birth of jesus christ his teachings continue to inspire and uplift billions and billions of people all over the globe his divine word still fills our hearts with hope and faith and christians everywhere still strive to live by jesus's timeless commandment to his disciples love one another above all during the sacred season our souls are full of thanks and praise for almighty god for sending us christ his son to redeem the world tonight we ask that god will continue to bless this nation and we pray that he will grant every american family a christmas season full of joy hope and peace on behalf of melania and the entire Trump family, Merry Christmas to all, and best wishes for a very, very great and happy New Year. Thank you. Indeed. Oh, come, let us adore him. Bill English is up next. He and I are going to cover a range of topics, including, this is going to be a surprise to him, that today is the secular holiday of Festivus. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Bill English is back from BibleandBusiness.com, and I could think of no one better, no one better to celebrate Christmas Eve Eve, also known as the secular holiday of Festivus. Bill English, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. I have never heard of Festivus. You I know. mentioned it in your in your <laughs> I cannot wait to introduce it to you because I feel like it will be your favorite secular holiday. It probably will be. Paul comes on off air and he goes, You ever heard of it? And I said no, but thank God there's so, Wikipedia. I've been reading it. So. <laughs> Festivus. Festivus is a secular holiday. Let's just be really clear about that. Um right. it's celebrated on I guess celebrated is the right word, on December the twenty third. <clears throat> Um, as an as an alternative, I think, to the commercialization of, of Christmas. Um, actually, author Daniel O'Keefe is the one who first, like, wrote about Festivus, but it was popularized in 1997 in a Seinfeld episode, affectionately known as uh, a Festivus for the rest of us. And um, so on, uh, on Festivus, or during Festivus, First of all, there's the Festivus poll, which is just like a stick. Right. It doesn't have any, right. there's nothing about it. And there's the airing of grievances, which I must tell you, many of our listeners um, are celebrating Festivus today because they are actively airing their grievances toward me um, on the text line. So there you go. I didn't know I had so many people in the audience who were celebrating Festivus, but they are because there is an open airing of grievances right now. There you go. That's why I thought I would bring it up because people are clearly engaged in it, which is, you know, healthy and good. So what about the feats of strength? What's that about? It's practices such as airing of grievances and feats of strength. What's? Do you know anything well, about that? Well, feats of strength might be, you know, let's all go out in the yard and see who can pitch this log the furthest. Oh, or, I see. Or arm wrestling. Arm wrestling would be a feats of strength, which would just be, you know, engagement with those present, you know. But I don't know that in COVID we're allowed to do such things. So your feats of strength would probably have to not involve they would still have to somehow be socially distant. So it might have to involve, you know, the pitching of trees or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know either. And then uh, and then the labeling of easily explainable events such uh, as, uh, oh, as Festivus, it's a Festivus Miracles. Miracle. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I could have some fun with that. <laughs> right? Exactly. Anything anything can fall into the category of a Festivus Miracle. Like That's literally right. anything. Yeah, exactly. And so today, as ordinary things happen... You could just declare to other people, it's a Festivus miracle. It is. It is. Now, you know? now, now I am giving people reason and cause to, um, to wonder what I'm talking about and why I'm talking about it. Okay, so when the word miracle is used in a way like that, you and I as Christians need to smile. We need to joyfully acknowledge what somebody is doing. And we need to say, hey, um, I actually believe in miracles. And I would love to share with you the miracle that, um, that I am going to be celebrating here in just the next 24 hours related to the incarnation of God who came in flesh to dwell among us. Like that's, that's the, real, uh, the real miracle of this time of year um, that, we're, that we celebrate at this time of year. And even though I can joyfully and laughingly uh, participate in a parody holiday like Festivus, um, the airing of grievances conversation is there is this like confessional confessing our sins to one another kind of thing. Instead of me um, laying out my grievances, me confessing the fact that I know I have grieved you and I have grieved God, that's actually a pretty Christian thing to be doing, like a very Christian thing to be doing, expressly Christian. So anyway, I wanted to bring it up because there probably are people whose at least social media is going to be filled today with some festivus uh, things. And so, you know, highlighting it here with you because of all my guests, yeah. you would actually, I think, enjoy a festivus experience. Oh, I would. 
Oh, I, I would. I may have to take my I can't take my family out for dinner because we're still shut down here in Minnesota. Although outdoor dining is now approved in December in Minnesota. It's cold, right? isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yes, it is. That's that's the that's the I, the I was humor hoping of he, it all. He might as well open up the golf courses too, right? Our governor has has finally opened outdoor dining. So but yeah, okay. So if you take, do take that, take my family I... out for Festivus. I am going to recommend that if you go out to play golf in Minnesota, yes, yes, that you take a ball that is a color other than white. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to. I mean, uh, that's you know, that's, that's just saying. common sense. Oh, well, there you go. Or one that blinks, lights up. I don't know. Okay, so uh, you and I had scheduled to talk about uh, the stimulus. And the reason that maybe I am uh, hesitating is the president has now um, basically threatened a veto of the $900 billion stimulus demanding that instead of $600 checks, people get $2,000 checks. um, And he is calling for the elimination of a number of other things from the bill. I think part of the challenge, uh, Bill, is that um, the stimulus, which is $900 billion, is actually folded into a much larger um, spending package, and all of those things are kind of being confused. I would agree with that statement. So um, what's in it? Where do you think we go from here? I, I think uh, the Democrats are going to try and get the $2,000. And look, there, there is some logic to the $2,000 piece here. $600 doesn't get you anything, really. Um, the average mortgage payment is just below $1,400. Average car payment is about $450 a month. So you throw in another $350 for groceries, and you've basically covered somebody for a month with $2,000. So um, I understand where the president's coming uh, from this. Uh, This is really a a result of Congress's complete and utter dysfunction and the the politicization. I can't pronounce that word. I can't say it either. Everybody knows what you mean. Yeah, of, of, of the entire process. There is no reason why Congress should be throwing in this huge omnibus bill, which is really a bunch of bills put together to keep the government going for the next 12 months, and the stimulus into one bill, in, in into one vote. Congressmen had less than six hours to look at this thing before they had to vote on it. It was 5,600 pages. It took them dollies to cart the papers from one house to the other just so that they could have an official copy in in the house when when the senate was or I'm sorry in the senate when the senate was voting on it and so uh, this is just complete dysfunction on, on the part of both the house and the senate and the president frankly was disengaged he's way too focused on trying to get the uh, election overturned that's not going to happen and uh, and now he's coming in after the fact, after everything's been agreed to, and he's trying to push this from $600 to 2000 All the liberals are going to get on board with this. The conservatives are just going to be apoplectic about this. And this may be the cannonball in the deep end of the pool that scuttles the whole thing until Biden is president. Hmm. Okay, uh, Bill English and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, we're going to talk about the reality that a lot of our neighbors and probably some of our listeners are facing um, right now, and that is the prospect of eviction. Um, So that's up next. I know that doesn't sound like good news, but Bill and I are going to um, talk empathetically about the reality uh, that people are living in right now and maybe challenge challenge those of us who are in a position to help uh, to find a way to do so. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. You're a mean one.
Mr. Grinch, you really are a Well, he's not a Grinch. Bill English is a big-hearted, delightful guy. Um, I think that uh, he's the only guest we have for him with whom we could play that other than Peter Kapsner. So there you go. <laughs> you know, that's just a step above the Eeyore song that Paul sometimes I know. I know. So we, we, we now have like a, a repertoire just for you. Okay. Just for so, me. All right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A playlist. A Bill English playlist. Um, Bill, go. the situation of um, of a wave of evictions in January – um, is absolutely cause for Congress to get itself together and get something done um, in terms of the support of the American people. Just bring us up to date on what's going on um, on the eviction front. On the eviction front, <clears throat> this uh, bill that uh, Congress has just passed uh, would actually put a moratorium on evictions for another month. So the Wall Street Journal article that you and I were talking about off air about a week ago from December 13th about the uh, coming uh, just tsunami of evictions in January would now be written for coming tsunami of evictions in February. So at least give people another month. Um, assuming that President Trump signs this bill or they can get some form of it passed soon. But the eviction piece is still coming. Uh, and the church needs to wake up and uh, be ready f to help house people who are suddenly going to be homeless or at least not have any place to go. Uh, if, if they can't be taken in by family, uh, then, then, then they need to be taken in by friends. This eviction thing is a big deal. And the reason it's there is because people are not able to make their rent payments. And the reason they're not able to make their rent payments is because they've been unemployed, because their, their employers have been shut down. Hence, I understand President Trump's $2,000 piece here, right? It would give people at least another month of, of support and help. Uh, this is a really serious thing, Carmen, and I don't know how effective our churches are really going to be on this. And, and I'm sorry to be a, a Debbie Downer or a Bill the Bummer Wednesday here, but um, if, if, if we can't even get half of our people to tithe on a regular basis, how are we going to expect them to open up their homes and let people come live with them for a month or two while, while the people get their lives together? I... I, I I, I really wonder about that, Carmen. I, I don't know what you would think about that, but I, I wonder about that. I, I'm, um, I wonder about so many things, Bill. Um, and I, <laughs> well, You're I mean, I was. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was going to say you're a very curious person, and that's what makes I am. you such a, uh, makes you such a good host. Oh well, uh, thank you. But I, I just wonder if our churches could really step up and take care of a lot of these people who are going to be evicted at some point in the next few months. I wonder if um, part of this conversation um, also includes our our unwillingness to tell our churches, um, our neighbors, our friends, um, people on social media, like whoever it is, um, our, our pride keeps us from saying um, – my family and I are going to be evicted if if somebody does not help us out. Like we have got to have some help. And if you don't if you don't go early enough and say that, if you don't say three months from now I'm gonna be evicted, and that creates the cushion of time for a group of people to find a way to positively respond and keep you in your home or in your apartment, 
Um, I think that's part of the challenge as well. And so I think you're right. We're going to face a wave of evictions. We're going to be surprised by the number of people who are suddenly homeless. And we are going to rally, but we won't be able to rally for everybody because we we won't be prepared to do so. It just it, it I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, the responsibility is going to largely fall on um, the the nonprofit sector. And we're going to suddenly we're going to suddenly wonder why we don't have um, a better capacity in our communities to house people who um, find themselves homeless. Uh, And we're going to have to step up. And as Christians, you know, our capacity for doing that, I mean, there's no question we have the capacity to do it. The question is, do we have the compassion to do it? And and maybe in this season, Bill, um, because the evictions are going to be so widespread. We're not going to be talking about, you know, people who by their own fault did not do a job that was available to, to them to do. We're talking about massive numbers of people who are going to lose their housing um, for no cause of their own, but simply because of the of the shutdown of the nation for such a long period of time related to uh, the pandemic. And may I connect to that a mindset that has, I think, really set in across America uh, and that the church has accepted, and that is that homelessness, taking care of people who are destitute or down on their luck, is really government's job. And it's not my job. It's not personalized for most people. And it's certainly not the church's job because the government taxes us. Let's let the government handle that. I think there are some within the evangelical community, probably a minority, who would say, no, that really is the church's job. And I think most would actually say, yeah, it is, but they would live it out as, no, it's not. And so it it, it just seems to me that this mindset of saying when there is this kind of a problem, it is us, the church, who needs to come forward in spite of or in addition to whatever the government is doing. In other yeah, words, you th- can't just say, we paid our taxes, therefore I've done my part. And when, and when Bill and I are using the word church there, we're talking about church big C, but that works yeah. itself out through church little c. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you and I have to leave it right there. Um, I know. I know. Well, we could do we could do one happy holiday thing. Maybe we got time. We got thirty seconds. Give us a um, Bill English for Christmas. Sings what? Sings what do I sing? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, what I sing is at the end of White Christmas. It's mm. the um, it's it's the song that all four of the actors, Danny Kaye and and the other three, sing. You know, when I was mustered out, I thought without a doubt. That I was through with all my care and strife, you know, that that song. Uh, that's it. really one of my favorite Christmas songs. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you so much, Bill English. Merry Christmas. Happy New Merry Year. Christmas we'll talk, to you. We'll talk with you, Lord willing, uh, again, early 2021. All right. There it is. There, Paul has I know. It. Well, there, there it is. Go, I know, because he's so good. All right. He is Blessings, good. my friend. All right. Take care. Strive. Oh, well, I thought that I was then the happiest of men. But after months of tough civilian life, gee, I wish I was back in the army. There's been a lot of uh, loss and grief this year. There are going to be a lot of empty chairs at a lot of Christmas tables for a lot of reasons this year. And so I thought it might be helpful to spend a little time reflecting with musician Craig Avon, 
he has a, a particular song on this point called The Sweetest Gift. But he also has a lot of life experience just related to, you know, how we go ahead and celebrate the holidays, even in the midst of mourning loss. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. What are you planning on doing on January the 31st for New Year's Eve? How are you planning on, what did I say? You said January. You're talking December 31st. (laughs) Thank you so much, Paul. No problem. What are you doing on December 31st, New Year's Eve? Thank you, Paul. Um, And right now, are you planning on spending it alone? And if so, would you um, consider spending it with me? So from 7 to 9 p.m. Central, right here. um, Well, it's not really right here. It's going to be live on the Faith Radio um, YouTube page and the Faith Radio Facebook page. And you're going to get there by just going to MyFaithRadio.com and clicking on the link that I'm sure we're going to be providing. So it's not up yet, but on the 31st of December, consider spending uh, some time praying out 2020 and praying into 2021 with me and some of our friends from the show. So December 31, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. live stream event on Faith Radio's Facebook page and YouTube page with me. And others, praying it out and praying it in. All right. Next up, I've got Craig Avon. He is a musician. Um, he is the uh, the person behind the sweetest gift. Which, if you are a person who has been mourning loss, this song is a great gift to each and all of us. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Lucado. Hollywood would recast the Christmas story. Joseph's collar is way too blue. Mary is green from inexperience. The couple's star power doesn't match the bill. Too obscure, too simple. The story warrants some headliners. And what about the shepherds? Do they sing? A good public relations firm would move the birth to a big city. The Son of God deserves a royal entry. Less peasant, more pizzazz. But we didn't design the hour. God did. And God was content to enter the world in the presence of sleepy sheep and a wide-eyed carpenter. No spotlights, just candlelight, no crowns, just cows chewing cud. If God was willing to wrap himself in rags, then all questions about his love for you are off the table. When Christ was born, so was our hope. That's why I love Christmas. This is Max Lakato. Now, Craig Avon. Um, Craig, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. Well, I want to let you, I, I don't really want to tell your story as a way of introduction. I'd love for you to tell your story as a way of introduction. This has been a hard year for people. There are going to be um, an extraordinary number of people for a myriad of reasons who are sitting at either completely empty tables, like all by themselves in empty houses um, on Christmas and New Year's. But there are definitely going to be people who, for whom there isn't an empty chair, an empty crib, an empty high chair, an empty space in the bed next to them. And you have a song that has been really tenderly 
speaking to this reality in people's lives. Tell us about um, how this song came to be, The Sweetest Gift, um, and then we're going to play it. Sure. Well, the song, um, it was written, it was inspired by the life of a little uh, little boy named Tommy, who uh, within just a few months' time developed a, a pediatric brain tumor. And right around the uh, Christmas season, uh, a few years back, went to be with the Lord. And I, I had done five funerals in just as, uh, just as many months, and two of those were, were for children five years and, and younger. And um, Elena was two years old and Tommy was five when they went to be with the Lord. And I, would, I went to sing at the funerals, and I, I just looked at the faces of these parents and family members, and, and I just said, how in the world are they making it through this? especially at Christmas. I mean, the loss uh, has to be heartbreaking and devastating. And it's, it's then when God reminded me it's, it's only His grace that can carry people through that. And we won't know what that kind of grace looks or feels like until we experience it for ourselves. So I just trusted that God's grace was going to carry them. And I remember uh, wanting to write a song that would help these families families like them celebrate Christmas because nothing worse than going into the holidays without your child. And I thought, God, uh, I felt like God wanted to give me a song that would help people who otherwise wouldn't celebrate. They would have a reason to celebrate. And so I wrote the song, The Sweetest Gift, um, helping um, helping these family members picture their loved ones, um, not just celebrating Christmas like we are, but in the presence of the one we're celebrating. And he's used it to bring comfort to so many people. And I'm humbled by that. We're going to talk about the impact of the song and the way God uh, has been using it and the way he's currently amplifying it, even through other musicians now. But let's listen to uh, Craig Avon, The Sweetest Gift.
As we consider the way God comes to us in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, we recognize that he then creates the way for us to spend eternity in the presence of God. And so the conversation about Christmas and the conversation about Easter and the conversation about life and the conversation about death and where we're going to spend eternity is all woven together. I'm going to continue this conversation with musician Craig Avon. You can find him at craigavonmusic.com. The song is The Sweetest Gift. We'll be right back. This, this is Christ the King Chris Avon is the writer, musician, singer, songwriter, husband, father behind the song The Sweetest Gift. That's the one you have just heard. Um, you can find it on YouTube. That's where um, that's where I listen to it. I encourage you to check out Craig's website as well, craigavonmusic.com. Craig, let's talk a little bit about... Um, some of the impact that this song has had. We're talking about something that has been downloaded, watched, listened to tens of millions of times um, by people around the world. Um, 
share with us a couple of the stories you've heard from them. Well, I, you know, I was just trying to think. I, I made a video, I think it was two years ago, because it's just um, it's impossible to describe the messages that you get and, and the stories that you hear. I mean, stories of uh, great loss, great pain, suicide, um, just stories that are just tough to read, but also celebratory stories of people who are grateful to know where their loved ones are. And so I put a video together of compiled some of those messages so that people could read them, of course, with the permission of family members. And one story that got me, um, you can actually probably find it still, um, but the message was that um, they, this girl's father had not really been responsive in the hospital. And this was before COVID when she could actually be with him in the hospital room and he wasn't responsive and someone sent the song the sweetest gift to her and um she played it on the phone in the hospital room right up to his uh right up to his ear and he he responded with i believe it was a wink or some kind of a um affirmation to her and then passed away and that story was just it, it was incredible, not because it just comforted the family, but the person who was getting ready to transition into eternity. Mm. Um, if you guys are listening and you want to find uh, not only the original video of The Sweetest Gift, but um, but videos related to it, if you go to craigavenmusic.com and then you check, you click on videos, there's, there's places there for you to... Um, watch on YouTube and on Facebook um, some of these some of this content that we're talking about today. Craig, God has uh, amplified this song now through other musicians. Let's uh, let's talk about the piano guys' uh, mm-hmm. version of this and just like how just kind of give people a little window into you know how how the song becomes a song that God takes and uses. You know, it was your song. It's a song born out of your own grief and the grief of those that you love. But it really is being magnified in ways that are pretty extraordinary. Yes, absolutely. Um, As far as the piano guys go, the way that that happened is really um, is a beautiful story as well. John Schmidt, who is the piano player for the piano guys, has become a friend. But um, before I knew him, I had just finished the song and that was 2016. And he was just scrolling Facebook after the loss of his own daughter, um, a very, very painful, tragic loss. And he was scrolling Facebook and came across my video, just just the one where I'm sitting behind the piano. I just propped my iPhone up and recorded it. <clears throat> and he's watching it, and he said it moved he and his wife and gave them great comfort in a way they, uh, they really needed at that time. And um, so he reached out to me, and I was familiar with the piano guys already. But he reached out through Facebook and said, hey, this is John Schmidt from the Piano Guys. Uh, we'd love to record your song. Would that be okay? Uh, and, of course, I said, let me pray about it. Absolutely. And they recorded the song. And uh, really, they're the ones who gave it uh, a platform initially, um, at least a more broad platform. And now uh, others are doing their own versions on YouTube and Facebook. And it's really a beautiful thing to see how God's using the song. Um, what, what is your family, uh, singing this Christmas? Cause you have a lot of little people. Am I right about that? You got, you, you yes, got little yes. people in your house. <laughs> yeah, we do. What, yeah, what are so we singing? This is probably not what you're singing. So what's the, what are the right. songs that fill your home right now? 
Oh my goodness. Well, Grayson, our four-year-old, made up a song about Batman saving Christmas. Nice. Uh, I think that one's yes, it was it was excellent. Um, just traditional Christmas stuff. My, Tess was with our four children and all, all of their friends baking cookies yesterday and Christmas carols were all through the house. So it's it's an eventful Christmas at the Avon home. I love that. So um when you uh when you think about the ways in which God uses music to draw people into worship, could you just reflect on that for a moment? Because I know that's really your heartbeat. It is, yeah. And I um I really believe that God's word doesn't return void and I love to study the word. I love to uh just convey its message and um I believe when you use music, music as a way to just just move people and even disarm them. Uh, even the hardest hearts, uh, a song can can crack them. And I just believe that when you use music accompanied with the truth and the of the message of Christ and the gospel, uh, it has it has power to change the hardest heart and to soften people and to bring healing. Unlike anything else, I really believe music has the power to heal. Well, Craig, um, Merry Christmas. Thank you for uh, helping people celebrate the holidays, even in the midst of mourning and loss. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you for being a person who speaks hope and sings hope. Um, Thank you for being a faithful uh, husband and dad. Like all of those are gifts to all of us. So um, Mm -hmm. thank you for joining us this morning as well. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You can find Craig at Craig Avon Music. Avon is A-V-E-N, CraigAvonMusic.com. We'll be right back. So tomorrow we have a special service of Lessons and Carols. During this, uh, during our mornings with Carmen time on Christmas Day, it's all music, 24 hours of music from, it's it's at noon tomorrow, Paul, until, like, right, we go to an all music yeah, format? Yeah, all music format of Christmas music starting at uh, noon, Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve Day Central, and then that continues until midnight Christmas night. All right, so... Um, Faith, our faith, uh, Christmas carols and Christmas lessons tomorrow morning and then all music on Christmas morning. I hope you have um, plans to find yourself at the manger throne. Let us be people who um, lift up the word of God in the midst of all of the conversations of the day. Let us give God the honor and glory due his name. Christ has come and Christ is coming again. As Advent yields to Christmas, let us be the people who acknowledge Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let us, uh, let us be the ones who recognize him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Let us be the ones who say, this is he of whom the angels sang. Let us be those people over this Christmas uh, holiday. Hey, just a reminder, we are going to gather on December the 31st from 7 to 9 p.m. Central. You have to do the math for your own uh, time zone. But from 7 to 9 p.m. Central on December the 31st, we're going to gather together. It'll be a live stream event on Faith Radio's Facebook and YouTube pages. We're going to pray out the year which now lies behind us, and we are going to pray in the year which now lies ahead, giving it all to God, recognizing with 
hearts of gratitude and thankfulness that God is God and we are His. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Grace be upon you. The good news go forth through you. Having received the good news of the gospel, let us then be the people who go, tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is Lord. Have a great Christmas. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.